12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, 12 to 1 with Adrian Abraham. Time to check in with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way out in Brisbane to get the latest headlines from Australia. Jason, how's your week going? It's going well so far, Adrian. Happy lunchtime to you and the Money FM listeners from a very damp Queensland. It's been raining like crazy over the last few days. My garden is looking very, very lush, a bit like where you used to live in the UK. It's uh, so green at the moment which is a nice change after the drought that we had a couple of years ago. Yeah, it was very green out in Southampton, but also a lot of rain, something you're experiencing right now. But rather sunny out here in Singapore. The rain has you know, kind of stayed away for a little bit. But one thing that's been dominating news headlines over the last few days is the Omicron variant of the coronavirus. It's taken the world by storm. Countries are closing their borders. Uh, travel restrictions imposed once again. More quarantine for travelers around the world as well. And Australia was due to welcome back international students and skilled workers on December 1st. But now that's been put on hold for another two weeks until around December 15th. And Scott Morrison, the prime minister, he had a discussion with his cabinet. What were they discussing? Well, Adrian, they've been trying to work out what to do, you know, with this Omicron COVID strain now creating havoc across the world. As you mentioned, we were due to open uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, December the 1st, but now we're going to stay closed for a couple more weeks and we'll wait and see what happens. There were supposed to be travel bubbles between Japan and Korea also kicking off this week, but now we're going to have to wait and see what happens in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, this is a very tricky kind of decision for Australia to make, but I think it's a smart thing. Even though we do have those uh, green lane travellers from New Zealand and Singapore, uh, yeah, so again, this is something that we're seeing with people confirmed having Omicron strain, whether it's here in, you know, not so much in Queensland, but we've seen it in Sydney and New South Wales and also the Northern Territory. So the strain has made it here to Australia and we're going to have to react and see how it's going to unfold over the next few days. But it does look like December the 15th will be the the new date for the international borders to properly reopen and those international travel students coming from, you know, wherever they might be across Asia, that likely to happen now on December the 15th. Yeah, Singapore Airlines also in the news in regard to Sydney. A flight from South Africa to Sydney was found to have a couple of cases of this new COVID-19 variant. Jason, what's the latest on this? Yes, that was uh, SQ211, which arrived uh, via Singapore on Sunday night. Two fully vaccinated passengers arrived from Southern Africa and they are now isolating in special health accommodation. Everyone else on the flight was deemed a close contact and required to get tested and undergo 14 days isolation. So this is something that the health authorities are are dealing with uh, quite well. Uh, But we are looking at these uh, new rules now about uh, self-isolation for anyone that has, uh, you know, been detected or has been a contact um, of someone with COVID. Now there's a 72-hour self-isolation requirement uh, for all international arrivals, whether or not you have that contact with someone with COVID. So again, it's a very much a, a shifting sort of scene at the moment when it comes to coronavirus and Australia's response. Yeah, New South Wales has been the focal point of the Omicron virus over in Australia. But Melbourne also in the news, it remains Australia's COVID 
hotspot with ongoing protests. And protesters are also testing positive to COVID as well. Jason, you know, we've talked multiple times about why they were protesting. Of course, there's a lot of anti-vaxxers. They're tired of lockdowns. But now that everything's eased up a little bit, what are they still doing? Yeah, indeed. it's. Uh, I guess you would say that Melbourne and Victoria is, continues to be the coronavirus capital of Australia. Even today, Victoria recording 918 new COVID-19 cases and six deaths with uh, 11,417 active COVID cases in the state and 512 have died during the current Delta outbreak. But, um, you know, as well as being the epicenter of the infection, it's also the epicenter of protests. And we saw 19 people who were protesting, testing positive with COVID-19 from those mass protests in Melbourne CBD. 16 of them were unvaccinated, two partially vaccinated, one was fully vaccinated. So these protests are, are ongoing against the Victorian state government, particularly Dan Andrews, the Premier of Victoria, has really been a, a target of these protesters. But these gatherings are becoming super spreader events. And there is something about the state of Victoria and the, and the city of Melbourne that makes it very militant when it comes to vaccines. And there are a lot of people against uh, the rules that are coming in through the Victorian state parliament, uh, and, you know, these kind of pandemic rules and laws. So that's driving these protests that we have seen for, for some weeks, if not months, across the state of Victoria. Yeah, we've seen that these protesters pose a, a high risk when it comes to a super spreader events, as you mentioned rightly there. Scott Morrison also in the news this time to do with the next federal election. It's going to be around May next year, 2022, and he looks to get his timing right. But what's his popularity rating right now? Well, Scott Morrison has been the Prime Minister of Australia uh, for just over three years. And in fact, I was working on the weekend morning show on Money FM on, uh, I think it was the end of May 2019, when Scott Morrison you know, was uh, elected or re-elected as Prime Minister, having got the Prime Ministership after a leadership spill with Malcolm Turnbull overturned. Uh, he, he wasn't expected to win that election back in May of 2019, uh, but he has to hold an election before May 2022. Uh, and we are hearing that it's likely to be at the very end of this three-year term. And the, the reason that we know that is because we've announced uh, plans here in Australia that the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, will plan to deliver the budget on March the 29th. And just calculating the amount of time that you need after the budget to have an election that would take you to the end of May. And that's also according to the parliamentary timetable that's been published this week. Uh, Scott Morrison is not popular. He is not popular at all across Australia. They say he's botched many things when it comes to the bushfires, the coronavirus response in terms of vaccines. So he's behind in the opinion polls, but his best chance is the unpopularity of the Labour leader, Anthony Albanese, who has been in that position for some time ever since uh, we saw Bill Shorten lose the 2019 election. Anthony Albanese, a veteran of the Labour Party, came in and became opposition leader. So he isn't the most charismatic or most popular leader. So that's po perhaps the best chance that Scott Morrison has, that when you compare, you know, the Labour leader with Scott Morrison, Morrison perhaps is a bit more of a savvy performer when it comes to politics, but he is behind in the polls when it comes to the parties, the Liberal National Party against the Labour Party. It's going to be interesting to see how it all pans out. And he handles the coronavirus uh, response in terms of reopening the borders as we get towards May 
2022 will have a big impact on Scott Morrison's chances of being re-elected. Yeah, looking quite strong for Scott Morrison, particularly given the context as well with the opposition leader. One can only wait and see what happens next. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist all the way out in Brisbane, getting all the latest headlines from down under. Major Australian bank Westpac has also caught the headlines, Jason. They've admitted to charging 11,000 dead customers. Yes, indeed. Westpac is one of the four major banks in Australia. We've got Westpac, we've got National Australia Bank, we've got the Commonwealth Bank of Australia, and we have ANZ. Westpac has agreed to pay a $113 million penalty, along with $80 million in compensation, with the Aussie and Singapore dollar being about parity at the moment. That's because the Australian Securities and Investments Commission has launched six court cases against Westpac for alleged widespread compliance failures that affected thousands of deceased consumers and customers. And they've actually admitted to these allegations in all of the, the lawsuits. And this is not a good look for Westpac, uh, which is competing against those three other banks. 11,000 uh, customers who were dead were charged for financial advice, even though they'd already died. And, you know, this is uh, something that's not really a good look for Westpac. Uh, they are also accused of seeking payments from 329 customers for premiums, even though they had not consented to entering into insurance policies. Uh, You know, the banks have really dominated here due to the boom in the real estate markets that made lots and lots of money. So this is simply not good enough. So this um, watchdog, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission has really come down hard on Westpac and everybody is, you know, considering whether it's, uh, you know, you're a customer of Westpac, whether it's the right thing to do to stick with this bank that hasn't behaved so well. It's a startling number, 11,000 dead customers being charged by Westpac as well. Yeah, rather sad news as well. David Gopalil, known for the famous film Crocodile Dundee, the indigenous actor, he's passed away at the age of 68, Jason. Uh, What's been the reaction to this back home? Yeah, he was remembered as one of Australia's great indigenous actors, young Aboriginal actor who burst onto the scene in the late 1970s and you mentioned Crocodile Dundee that was a film that he appeared in around 1986 along with Paul Hogan he was also in other films like Storm Boy, Rabbit Proof Fence, Walkabout and The Tracker and you know he made a big breakthrough for Indigenous actors you know he transformed Australian cinema and opened the way for Indigenous actors to really make a mark you know he sort of saw himself in a famous interview. He thought he'd be like a cowboy, like John Wayne. That was one of his heroes. And he actually spoke very little English when he started in cinema. And and he obviously started to improve his English skills as things went on. But he only spoke Aboriginal languages uh, before he uh, kind of broke into the mainstream. So, yeah, widespread reaction. A lot of famous actors, you know, people in Hollywood uh, sort of sending their uh, regards and their condolences uh, to his family because of uh, the mark that he made. He was actually flown to Europe where he met Queen Elizabeth II at Buckingham Palace, as well as Bruce Lee. He travelled to France and walked the red carpet at the Cannes Film Festival, you know, early in his career. So, uh This is a man that uh, many people loved and it's sad to see him go at the age of 68. Yeah, it certainly is. But what an honour. He got to beat the Queen. He got to beat Bruce Lee as well. Jason, you know, finally, you have a story about a a little road trip that you plan to take, but you're a little bit, you know, uh, wary or, you know, a bit worried about possible restrictions being imposed once again. 
Yeah, indeed. You know, we're supposed to be driving down to Sydney from Brisbane, a road trip, you know, in our car with my wife and daughter. And I grew up in Sydney, so we'd see my mum and my brothers down there. We'd be planning to leave on January the 5th, but we are concerned about whether there'll be restrictions coming back into Queensland. The borders, state borders are still closed uh, between New South Wales and Queensland. It's supposed to be December the 17th when they're reopening. Uh, so we're kind of watching the news with um, some trepidation. We've booked accommodation in Sydney as well as staying with friends. You know, it's a long time since we've been able to freely drive over the border and not worry about the border shutting behind us as we get through. So let's see what happens. If not, I guess we'll probably try and explore Queensland if our plans change. I know our friends at Queensland Tourism, Kim and the team always encourage us to try and you know, holiday within the state. Uh, but I would like to get back to New South Wales and see, you know, my brothers and, and my niece and nephews and, and everything else. So let's see what happens. I know that uh, you've had to change your plans too, going back to see your, your mother in Dubai. So this is the kind of time that we live in, isn't it? Yeah, it's an unfortunate time. But, you know, what can we do? We just have to wait and see what this uh, Omicron variant has to say. But, you know, it's kind of ruined Christmas for a lot of people, but should be okay. We're in conversation with Jason Dacey, ABC News journalist, all the way out in Brisbane, catching up on the latest headlines from Australia. Have a great rest of the week, Jason, and I look forward to catching up with you soon. Thanks, Adrian, and thanks, everybody, for listening across Singapore. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.